Welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari Shrike, the artist and creator behind Not Sorry Art and Not Sorry Art School. I'm so excited to talk art and creativity with you. So grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's dive in. Hey y'all, I just put out a free painting boot camp. Don't be intimidated. We're not doing any kinds of burpees or running. This boot camp is all for your painting muscles. So in this boot camp, it's seven days of quick bite-sized lessons between 20 and 30 minutes with assignments for each days. And don't be intimidated by the assignments. They have all different levels. Whenever I explain this, I always try to get people to picture those 80s workout videos where they have the person in the middle doing the main exercise a beginner level and an expert level that's kind of how we set up the program so it'll meet you wherever you're at i'm really proud of this course so far people are absolutely loving it again it's free if you're interested please check out the show notes under free seven day painting boot camp in this boot camp we're learning the fundamentals of painting representationally Things like composition, drawing, value, color, light, and style. So if that sounds interesting to you, please check out the boot camp. Like I said, it's free. Tell me if you enjoy it. Let me know. I always appreciate all this feedback. And as always, happy painting. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari. Thanks for being here. Today's episode is a quick review of the Barbie movie. Now, fear not, I'm not making this channel a review channel at, at all. In fact, I very much am uncomfortable. I'd much rather be the artist than the viewer. I've curated a couple of things in my life and it always like way stresses me out. That being said, Barbie is something that is very much in my wheelhouse or is very the themes, the aesthetics. So much of what the Barbie movie covers are things that I have held, picked up, turned over, looked at, thought about deeply in my own work. And to me, I thought that this would be, okay, well, this will be interesting to talk about. And I think I think I would be interested in my thoughts too if I wasn't me. However, full disclosure, this was an incredibly hard episode to make. I actually filmed it once and became overwhelmed, couldn't wrap it up because you know, you it's it's hard to wrap up something that you basically dedicate your whole life to chewing through. So, with a little bit of grace on y'all's behalf, I'm going to attempt to talk about the Barbie movie, but just know I have more questions than answers as anything you know, about female aesthetics and gender essentialism and childhood nostalgia and feminism, any, anything covering those big topics. It, I, I don't have conclusions to this. I don't have a, a solid way to make the movie better or worse or whatever, but I, I do have some thoughts. And if you are interested in that, if that sounds like something you would want to hear, a thank you. And yeah, let's just dive into the review of Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie. So first, just a little bit of a heads up, I am not going to like think about spoilers, so I'm going to have lots of them in, in this episode. So if you haven't seen the movie, you can pause now and come back to this episode later. Just diving in, I watched a lot of, I think, spoilers and reviews of the Barb movie before I went to see it. I would have loved to go to opening night, but two things. One, I'm still pretty COVID cautious, so I try to stay away from crowds. And certainly in my area, the first few nights were like, events which is so cool to watch online but probably honestly the bigger thing is I'm just a mom <laughs> of two kids and so finding the time was difficult but I did get to watch it recently and let me just say the first thing that really sort of 
overwhelmed me with emotion was just the absolute beauty of it. And I think sometimes when you see an artist who takes on glitter and sparkle and pink and shimmer and nostalgia and adolescent, female adolescence, you you think that maybe there's like sort of an awareness to their using of those things. But if I can completely show my hand here and be honest, I fell into using those themes and colors and aesthetics because I started using them totally in earnest. I love pink and glitter. And one of the videos that I watch, if I ever want to like pick me up, just like a hit of quick dopamine, is there is a YouTube video. It's like happy birthday Barbie from like 1990 or 91. And it's just so sparkly. We had it on VHS. So I watched it it was like a commercial in some recorded show. I don't remember as a kid, but I watched it over and over as a kid and I loved it. And I feel like if you ever want to know what like peak, like aesthetic juiciness is, it's it's literally that commercial. So of course this movie floored me. Everything from the intro scene with the Barbie dream house, all of the Barbie dream houses completely knocked me over. I was in awe. I had like this childlike sort of feel to it and like the choices they made to have it exist in that like, early 60s sort of old Hollywood feel with the painted landscapes and what they choose to have be realistic and what they chose to have be like illustrations so like for example when she would open up the refrigerator it would be painted on or like sticker I mean if if it was a real dream house it would have been a sticker you had to put on (laughs) and some of the things are real and I always love that about Barbie I also think that it kind of gives us I know that they were riffing from real life because real life Barbie sets had, you know, you'd have a little glass of orange juice and then you'd have the orange carton sticker on your fridge, right? So it kind of tiptoed this line between two-dimensional and three-dimensional anyways. But I actually feel like intentionally or not, that's kind of what the movie did. Is it kind of, I'm just giving you like a spoiler into like what I think about the whole movie, but the movie sort of, I feel like I wouldn't say couldn't choose or like just didn't really choose. And I don't know if it was, I I still don't know if it was a good or bad choice. Who knows? But choose to let it be sort of this luxury perspective of like this is reality or if they really leaned into camp and let it be tongue in cheek. I feel like it kind of did both. And when I think about it, it did both in kind of the same way that the Barbie dream house was both real and two-dimensional illustration, if you will. It also made me realize how bad I want to be on a group creative project. I just remember watching, I do this anytime I watch, I think most movies, but certainly on this movie, I had this feeling of like, wouldn't it be so cool to be in a big group and work on a project like this? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure if I worked (laughs) in a more collaborative creative field, I would yearn for that complete creative control that I have as a painter however in this moment I definitely felt felt myself being overwhelmed by the urge to like do something collaborative and you know one of my phrases I say a lot in my art school and to myself to some degree is creativity is in the constraints in the limitations sometimes I call it constraintivity (laughs) but having sort of limits that you run up against is actually a wonderful way to come up with new ideas. And so I think working in a group environment would be so amazing. But that aside, I'm going to not go on and on about all of the set design and costume design because I think it's absolutely fantastic. Although I will throw in one last little thing. I saw an interview with the one of the designers who made all the wigs for Barbie, which I love 
so much that that's like its own art form. It's amazing. But they were saying that in order for the color theory of it all to work, that they had to slightly tint all of her blonde wigs pink. So in reality, they were like very, very low intensity pale pink color wigs, which I absolutely just love that little little detail that they added in there. And I hope they win all of their flowers for the amazing costume and set design. And the other thing that was a moment in the movie that made me feel like I was levitating out of my chair with just like pure joy is the dance scenes, all of the dance scenes, but with Ken towards the end and the music. And I really think this movie did, I think it would have been if they had done anything other than lean into the dance, glitter, camp, aesthetic, set design, costume, I think it would have, I think no matter how good the message would have was, if they, if there is even such thing as a perfect message i i think they did what the barbie movie was supposed to do and they they absolutely nailed it you know that being said okay so getting into my criticisms of the movie and i'll just say here i love the movie i will certainly watch the movie again i am eager for a day when my i have a daughter who just turned three like a few days ago but when she's a little bit older and can enjoy the movie instead of just like throwing popcorn everywhere (laughs) i can't wait to take her i watched this movie with my son he loved it but i do i do want to i don't know dive into a little bit of sort of the criticism of the movie I do want to talk about Greta Gerwig as the choice for the director. Obviously, I don't know who all was in contention for this, but Greta Gerwig, I think, was such a great choice. I love her other movies, too. I really liked Lady Bird, like, a lot, a lot, and I loved Little Women. I'm a bit partial to the 90s version because it was one of my – I watched that until – the VHS completely tore down and broke. <laughs> but I love her movies. I really do. Frances Ha was one of those movies I think I like passively watched on Netflix back in a time when I had more time. Um, <laughs> didn't know what I was getting into and ended up absolutely loving it. So I do really appreciate her work. And I think what made this movie so effective overall again I do enjoy the movie was that she really led with like heart and emotion and I think that was totally the way to go so again so much of this I loved but I also wanted to say that like you know I have listened earnestly and intently to the criticism of this movie you know because it's good to hear other people's voices and there were some criticism you know different identities and how they handled certain things and jokes and punchlines and lacking of sensitivity because you know it's a feminist film but it's really you know it's important to try to cover all of your bases which is something I you know I do sort of include in my criticism a little bit but as I listen to the criticism you know I feel like one of the difficulties of doing this is that Greta Gerwig is trying to make a blockbuster film a big summer blockbuster that's going to make money because that too under capitalism is a huge statement you know that there is power in women's dollar it's a little bit of the bars on the floor that the only way to get capitalism to recognize your validity as a human is to back it up with money but that being said within the system it is still you know I think a pretty powerful metric you know between that and the Taylor Swift concert that there is money interest value however you want to say it in the spending power of women okay but it had to be a blockbuster (laughs) it had to be 
It had to be okayed by Mattel. So there's another constraint. It had to be approved by the Hollywood machine. And yes, I'm not using that phrase lightly. There is a channel, side note, that I absolutely adore on YouTube. It's called Be Kind Rewind. And it's video essays about old Hollywood. And she goes over something called the Hayes Code, which was... I believe in the 1930s, it was something that was implemented to push back on communism and socialism as well as really hold white supremacy and patriarchy closer or like really uphold those standards. Things like obviously certain topics you couldn't mention, things of homosexuality as well as like there were rules that only so many people in the cast could be of non-white ethnicity in the it's really crazy i i really implore that you go and watch her channel she has videos dedicated specifically to the Hayes code but actually what i do really enjoy about her channel is it really is just like this interesting entertaining look at old hollywood and narratives behind specifically actresses that happen to run into problems with a lot of these things like the Hayes Code. So it's not just like an info dump channel. It's really interesting and compelling. I can't recommend it enough. But anyways, that being said, another humongous factor that I know that Greta Gerwig was having to contend with is how much red tape that every creative decision she had had to go through to get approved. Maybe not like on a micromanaging sort of level, but she couldn't have had something revolutionary enough to sort of cover all her bases and still get published and still be a money-making machine or at the very least and get approval by you know Mattel and Hollywood so the last thing I'll say about Greta is that I would give her an A plus I think as far as like do I think she did everything right I don't know that that's an important metric what even is right (laughs) but I do think given all of the difficulty of having to make a film like Barbie and keep so many people happy and have it be a blockbuster and sort of appeal to the middle of America I think she did a pretty good job. And on that note of appealing to middle America, it's another thing that I think is becoming increasingly difficult within the movie industry at large, which is, you know, I I hesitate to use the, the phrase like we are becoming so divided because I think that not only gets overused, but I don't think that that quite shines a light on what's happening. I was listening to um, Megan E. Collins' podcast, and she said something so intelligent and like spot freaking on. She was saying that the pendulum of like, what we consume and ideas you know the pendulum swings right you've heard that in regards to a lot of different things it's less the pendulum has swung right and it's more that the microphone has swung and what she was saying in that is that you know it's not that America is more divided but the way I interpret this is it's just that more people actually have the microphone more people have a say in the movies you know and whether or not people enjoy the movie or are happy with it or you know people have the ability to go on the internet and the internet specifically social media has given a lot more people voice and community and so you know there's a lot of things I think makes it harder to talk to America you know at large we've never been a monolith but I think Hollywood used to cater to something that was pretty monolithic and now that more people are at the table even if it's just with their voice I think it's become harder and so you know I I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing 
but I do think that it makes the job of making a movie that's going to entertain the masses much more treacherous than it was in say like 1997. And now I want to get a little bit into the America Ferrera um, monologue, which like the tough thing about it is like I enjoy and I actually enjoy the monologue by itself. I think for me, something about it tonally was a little bit, I just had questions about. So, you know, the big problem with the movie, of course, is that it's white feminism, right? And any like the history of white feminism is that it it tends to <laughs> almost all the time forget other marginalizations exist right it's a phrase white feminism that gets thrown around a lot and people can get really kind of flustered about it because it's like well we're all fighting power structures but you know if you study Kimberly Crenshaw she's the social scientist who I think she's a lawyer actually but she's the one who coined the term intersectional as a way to talk about massage noir which is you know being both someone who suffers under patriarchy and also racism at the same time and sort of the unique struggles of that and you know a big part of that is because feminism just like any ism is going to really push the ideas and the agenda of the marginalized group with the most power within that group that's just how it is people who have the most power have the most time they have the most leisure they have the most space they have the most credibility you know something I sort of struggle with in my own work is I always feel like in the art world (laughs) or maybe it's in other worlds I don't know but you're kind of always having to offset your marginalizations in some degree you know it's like if you are going to tackle something about poverty, well, you have to have a really good degree um, to sort of offset that because you can't just let anyone off the street criticize poverty, you know, or else they would just be, quote, outsider art. And so it, it's tough because I think the movie knew that that's what it was up against. And everything I totally thought in the movie was, to- was like fine until they got to the speech and there was a little bit of like talking down to energy where all of a sudden in the movie – some part of the Barbie movie claimed that it had a bit of an upper hand or a little more leverage or power or insight than the audience for what felt like the first time because all the jokes prior to that were very self-deprecating it kind of was poking at the holes in white feminism and then we get to this speech and it just felt like tonally off I'll just say that I do I think it was a bad speech no it's a great speech in fact if you want to go look it up it's it's worth reading I think it would have made a better TikTok (laughs) I think probably at table reads it went over really well but I think in the camp and the glitter of the whole movie and the quick fast-paced jokes and humor I think it ended up taking a bid for a little more seriousness than the Barbie movie had the power to back up not that the movie wasn't not that pink isn't to be taken seriously again that is like my whole thing but it's that white feminism I think loses some of its credibility when it tries to evoke or play like the upper hand in any of these situations what I do wish would have happened is that they had acted that out somehow or like did like a montage or were able to show the contradictions of being a woman you know you have to be attractive but not too attractive you have to be strong but not too strong I I think you know who am I again I would much rather be making the art than criticizing it I feel incredibly vulnerable and out of my element right now but I think that would have been really really interesting to see I was also the last kind of thing I'll say on this is I was a little bit underwhelmed with the end of the movie (laughs) I've seen this pointed out too but you know so much of the argument around 
feminism and who is a woman and what is a woman is getting away from the idea of of biological womanhood (laughs) and I don't the thing is like maybe I'm just like projecting but I don't think Greta meant it like that but I think sometimes people you just have to know that that movie played in central Texas like I'm trying to think of like I was in an audience full of people who I don't think have as much common agreement about the humanity of people who don't identify as biological women for that to not read as nefarious now obviously you can't make every single piece of art only engaging the lowest common denominator of every situation that is to say only engaging with you know the people who are least likely to give someone their humanity but I think I think there would have been other cuter ways of dealing with it you know the funny thing about this is I just did an episode about the book Chromophobia by David Batchelor with Megan I think it's like an episode or two earlier than this one and one of the chapters was completely dedicated to sort of this Wizard of Oz trajectory of like you're in this land of black and white and then you stumble into a world of color and um I feel like the Barbie movie was very much a riff off of that, only the opposite, right? They start out in this world of um, super saccharine, toy, playful, plastic color. And everything is like perfect. And then they fall into this like less colorful world. And you can totally see by the cinematic choices that they really downplayed the color contrast. You know, they even had Barbie in her like you know pink suit standing out so much chromatically in every scene I guess I'm just saying like as a visual artist I would have loved to have seen them continue that sort of Wizard of Oz color theme they they were so intentional with it that I feel like something other than a trip to the gynecologist and they didn't have to completely like plot holes were everywhere like the movie's you know, again, it's kind of like what I was saying at the beginning, where it was this world where both real life things and two dimensional stickers of things could exist at the same time and you didn't have to question it. Of course, the orange juice is flat and Barbie's hand can only bump into the refrigerator. And of course, the cup can fit onto her thumb at the same time. Like it, it makes sense in Barbie world. Suspended disbelief. If, if nothing else, like what is more woman than constantly living in a state of suspended disbelief? Which is why I think it would have been so cute if they had done something with a little more of like that Wizard of Oz color magic sort of thing to the ending. Obviously, that's not... <laughs> like a plot point, um, which is why I'm a painter and not a um, director. But I just think that would have been the coolest ending of having like something a little more hit you in the face with color. Um, Something about her realizing, you know, that we she chose the real world that had maybe a little more warmth than a doctor's office, but I'm being really picky. Okay, closing thought. And this is more just like a bit of an epilogue here but I I always whenever I give a critique about something you know usually it's just to my partner but whenever we talk about a movie in real life I'm always so quick to like give a class conscious lens of everything to the point where I mean I will say now my partner calls it out all the time he almost is better at it than I am but I have really struggled to bring that to everyone's attention because it feels like a little bit of a party pooper because class is like especially in movies like again going back to suspended disbelief it kind of things feels like the thing that we all just sort of gloss over like even in the monologue she says you have to be wealthy 
but you can't ask for money because it's crass. And I thought that was interesting because as a someone who has been poor and who has family members who are still struggling very much, I think of asking for, for money and for help. And the funny thing is crass never comes to mind. I, I Googled it before I made this episode. And crass means basically coarse or gross or stark or blunt. And to me, crass seems like a slight, and this is some, I just love like etymology and words. And I don't know, I just think the right word is the right word sometimes. And crass for me comes across as someone who is trying to work on a project and they ask someone and it's very blunt. Crass is not the word, it doesn't fit someone who is, not going to be able to make their rent and their kids are going to be on the street like desperate needy you know I have asked for money and how vulnerable that is and the funny thing is crass crass is more like you aren't acknowledging social taboos you know and for a project that might be the case right like you don't have enough credibility in the industry you're the wrong sex you're the wrong gender you're the wrong whatever and you're 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 thinking you're bigger than you are by asking someone for a million dollars for a project or whatever that fits crass so much better than someone starts a GoFundMe because they're going to lose their housing and so for me it just feels like even the one acknowledgement of class in the movie wasn't even from like a true it was like has to do with money but did not feel like class relevant if that makes sense it's a really minute thing but it's you know something that I I did notice about the movie but you know for me it's it's always tough because like most movies most shows most everything doesn't acknowledge class and so you know I never know how to engage with that other than to say just like I was talking about how white feminism it loses a lot of its power and leverage because it is not intersectional. It does not join with other people who are also sort of fighting against these systems. All I can say about class is like, and, and class too. It's, it's really, you know, it's hard for me to sort of engage. I almost have to completely turn that part of my brain off to enjoy a lot of media. I can even remember in, I think it was like high school, we were reading Jane Austen. I think we were reading Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice or maybe both. And we were talking about how one of the themes in her book was class because they were from the gentry, but they were low in the gentry because they didn't have a lot of liquid money, but they had some pedigree, blah, 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 blah. And so they were of a lower class. I remember the whole time like being like, well, what do you mean? Like they have like servants. Like if I lived in this time, I would have been the servants. Like I wouldn't have been able to do anything. Like I would have been exactly who I am with the same brains and the same abilities and, you know, feeling of innate humanness. And I would have been like, scraping up you know old apple cores and you know living under someone's stairs so I you know I have a hard time if anyone is looking to this for a class analysis you know I will say what I say with most movies and shows which is there just simply is not one anyways a good movie on that is the Florida Project I'll just I'll start by throwing that out there but I didn't want to end the episode without bringing that up as it is my bend. I've looked and tried to find other people's sort of class analysis of the Barbie movie, but to my best knowledge, it does not exist. It's, there's, you know, very limited 
discussion about it other than most media does not address it anyways if you're here still thank you so much for listening hopefully that was somewhat entertaining i hope you like the channel be kind rewind it's really a gem if nothing else i hope you enjoy that recommendation let me know how you like the movie particularly if someone has like an answer to one of the million questions i feel like i was left with i would love to hear that and as always if you do leave a review i appreciate it so much it helps with channels like this that are in their first season and if you leave your handle on the review i will read that off on air on next week's episode speaking of we only have two episodes left before our season is over i'm taking off for the holidays there will be some uploads but not full episodes so keep your eye out for that but thank you again everyone these episodes are so fun i hope you enjoyed this i will talk to you next week take care and as always happy creating